This week we begin a sermon series on uh, the prayer written by William Sloan Coffin, a prayer for the church in our time. The prayer is printed in your bulletin as an insert and it's also online on the worship page. The prayer was written in the 1980s. Um, it seems very contemporary and fitting for the times that we are in. For each Sunday during August and September, we will preach um, a sermon on, on a, a sentence from the prayer. This week is the beginning of the prayer. O God, whose mercy is ever faithful and ever sure, who art our refuge and strength in time of trouble, visit us, we beseech thee, for we are a people in trouble. We hear all the time how this is a time of trouble, and we are a people in trouble. There are the virus statistics. There are the protests against racism. There is the dilemma of whether or not to reopen our schools. There was an editorial cartoon in the dispatch this week that showed a mother holding a survey in her hand and it said, parents return to school survey. And there was one box that said, damned if you do. There was another box that said, damned if you don't. And the mother had to check one. It's hard to get a consensus anymore on what is truth, what is believable, what is fact. Trust in our institutions has been dropping, and it was dropping before the uh, pandemic. Membership in institutions is down. There is just a lack of trust, and we are a people in trouble. Exodus is about a people in trouble. The book of Exodus begins by saying, and a new Pharaoh arose who knew not Joseph. There was a change in government, there was a change in administration, and it wasn't good for the people. The people of Israel groaned under the bondage of slavery. They cry out for help. When they become so numerous, Pharaoh gives the order that all male children under the age of two are to be killed. They are a people in trouble. And this horror is the background for the conversation we heard between God and Moses. The burning bush gets Moses' attention. God calls from it, Moses, Moses. Have you ever gotten a text from someone and they don't identify themselves? All you get is the phone number. You don't get their name. They're not in your contacts. Have you ever gotten a text that says, um, do you want to have lunch tomorrow? And you think, 
who is this from? I don't know what to say. Now, I, I can never come up with a polite answer to that, so I just say, who are you? And then I'll decide if I want to have lunch with you or not, which is, which is rude. But how often, you know, do we not know the person addressing us in a text? They know us, we don't know them. Who are you? Identify yourself. Don't assume it is clear that I know who you are. God knows Moses, but Moses doesn't know God. And in a sense, that's each of our lives. God knows us, but do we know God? God has appeared in the background of the first two chapters of Exodus. There are a couple references to God, that God hears the groaning of the people. Who God is, is vague. Where God says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Some scholars say that isn't one God. That that could be four gods. That there is a God of the fathers, a God of Abraham, a God of Isaac, and a God of Jacob. There are lots of gods floating around at this time. And which one is which? And which one is talking out of the bush? These verses introduce God, who God is. And God says, I've seen the mercy, the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians. Those verses are packed with who God is. God sees. When we are in trouble, we want to be seen. We don't want people to look away from us or look through us. God knows. God has empathy. The verb that is used there for know is yada. God is intimately acquainted. God hears. We want our voices to be heard. God comes down. It is not just that God sees and hears and feels. God comes down to be with the people. God visits the people. And I will come down to deliver you, to save you and redeem you. With each step, God increases the level of God's involvement with the people. And God is just. God does have a preference for those who are excluded and those who are omitted and those who suffer and who are in pain. That's who God is. And after all of this, 
Moses asks again. And it's almost like, you know, we've had the introduction, we've met the person, but we weren't paying real close attention. We didn't get their name. So Moses, and it's kind of clever how he does this, he says, well, if I go to Egypt and somebody says, who sent you? What do I say? And God says, I am that I am. Or I am who I am. Or I will be who I will be. Some scholars think what this answer of God is, it's, a, it's an ancient word that has a reference to a, a boiling pot, a pot that's bubbling over, that's full of energy. And God's saying, I am energy. I am bubbling over energy. And I am spilling over with life. And I want to share that life with you. And my life is so powerful that you can't control it, that you can't manipulate it, you can't exploit it, you can't defeat it, and it can't be totally consumed. That's who God is, this pure energy. And God wants to send Moses to Pharaoh. This God who sees and hears and knows and visits wants a partner and wants partners. And God says, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh where my people are in trouble. And Moses wants assurances. How will I know it will work out? Give me some sign that I'm back in the right horse. Give me some sign that I'm back in a winner. Give me a sign that I will be safe, God, if I do what you say. We often ask God that. Give me a sign that I will be safe if I do what you say. I'm not going out on this limb without assurances. And the answer God gives bothers me. I will be with you, and this shall be the sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship on this mountain. When things work out, you'll know that I'm the right one. That's like my interviewing people uh, getting bids to, to paint our house. And I say, how do I know that I can trust that you'll do the job? And the person says, well, when I'm done, you'll know that. Well, I want something better than that. What God says to Moses is, you're not going to know everything ahead of time. It's not all mapped out. You don't need to know everything, and you want to know all the answers, but you're not going to know all the answers. You're going to know it one step at a time. 
there will be enough light for the next step. The GPS on my car doesn't give me the whole trip. If I'm going for, from Columbus to Cleveland, it doesn't map out the whole trip for me. It gives me one turn at a time. Proceed south on Pennsylvania and turn left on King. That's it. Now turn right on Neal. Now turn left on Fifth. One step at a time. I'd like the trip mapped out so I don't have to use my GPS. I can just have it mapped out for me. And I can do other things while I'm driving. But it's one step at a time. God is like that. Trust me, I will be with you. But you've got to stay with me. God and Moses will walk this journey together. And you know, when we walk a journey together, we learn a lot about our traveling partner. We trust them more. We become more intimate with them. And that's what God's doing with Moses. I'm going to be with you every step of the way, but you've got to be with me every step of the way. And we'll get to know each other and trust each other. This is a God of relationship for whom relationship is more important than the answers and the map. Presence comes before answers. When I'm in trouble, I want answers. I want solutions to the problem. I want that map. I want that linear Solution. God doesn't seem to work that way. We live in a time of change where things change daily, sometimes hourly. And that linear solution and that map, that long term map, just isn't cutting it anymore. Our time of trouble is fluid, and we have to adapt. And God is that God who is with us in the fluid times that trouble us, the times to which we have to adapt. God will be with Moses each step of the way. But don't ask for a map. A word about the burning bush. Do they happen anymore? Elizabeth Barrett Browning says, Earth is crammed with heaven. Each common bush is aflame with God. Yet only he sees who takes off his shoes. The rest of us are just picking blackberries. God can show up. God can show up and call our name in good times and bad times, in trouble. 
God can show up and call our name in things that we're hoping for and things that we fear. And we can have that conversation with God where God introduces God's self to us and says, I know you. Now please know me. And we can take off our shoes and take the time to do that. One rabbi said that this burning bush is not a miracle, it's a test. If we see a bush on fire, we will not immediately assume that it is not being consumed. We have to stop and look at it for a time to see whether or not it is being consumed. And God is testing Moses to see if Moses will take the time to be with God at the bush. The burning bush ignited Moses. It set him on fire to be the presence of God to the people in trouble. The burning bush, this fire, can be scary. It may or may not hurt us but we will not be consumed. We will not be alone. I am that I am is with us. And that's enough. God is our strength and our refuge. We are a people in trouble. And God sees and God hears, and God knows, and God visits, and God delivers, and God sends, and God is always with us each step of the way. May it be so. Amen.